Welcome to the Active Growth Podcast. This is the third episode in our Forget Traffic series. In the previous episodes, we've talked about why there's an unhealthy obsession with trying to get more traffic in online businesses and how there's a better alternative. We've shown you specific steps on how to get your first customer before you get any kind of traffic to your website, actually. And now we are going to look at what comes next. Now, if you haven't heard the previous episodes, this episode might still be useful for you, but we are referencing things that we talked about in the past episode. So some bits might be a bit confusing, and I do recommend that you listen to all of the episodes in the series. If you followed along to this point, we have already talked about how you can get your first leads and even your first paying customers. And now we will talk about how it all comes together with the other stuff that you're more familiar with from online marketing. So things like, you know, lead generation, opt-in forms, blog content on your website, building an audience, selling products, all of this. We'll talk about exactly how to tie all of this in with what we've talked about before. And of course, as always, we are going to keep this as practical and action-oriented as possible. For show notes, links, and more, you can go to activegrowth.com forward slash three. And with that, let's start the episode. Hey, I'm Shane Malach. And I am Hannah Hudvak. And in this episode, we are still talking about why you should forget about getting more traffic to your website and instead use a customer first approach. So get your first customer first. And we want to attach this episode, basically want to continue this episode right where we left off. So in the last episode, we presented you with the, the free trial coaching method in which literally in, in the span of a week or so, you can get some paid clients. So you can get some people to actually pay you money for your services or for the solution that, you're, that you'll end up offering. We're also going to continue with the example of a productivity-based business. So as a quick reminder, the end goal here is I want to have like my own productivity empire, right? I want to have like my website where I publish content on how to become more productive, where I have, you know, I get a lot of traffic to that website. People share my stuff, people comment and so on. And I have opt-in offers. So I'm generating leads. I'm building a mailing list of people who are interested in getting more stuff done. And I'm selling products and I'm maybe selling some books. I'm selling a course or maybe several courses, you know, maybe like a mid-range course and a high-end course, a more expensive one, all aimed at in various ways that people who want to be more productive, right? And obviously I have different products for different types of people, for different niches and so on. And and this is the the end result we're working towards is this this kind of business where all this traffic is coming in, all these leads are being generated, all these customers are coming in and creating revenue for the business. But where we are right now is that, okay, we've got a couple of clients. We've got a couple of clients who are paying for um, for one-on-one coaching on how to become more productive. And I'm making, in this hypothetical scenario, I'm making maybe a 1000 to $2,000 a month. So I'm not exactly balling yet. And we're pretty far away from having this whole information product empire. What are the steps in between? How do we go from getting our first clients to building this whole information product business? Because with very far, you mean that for the moment we have no real website, no real blog, not one product to sell. 
and we're just doing coaching, right? Exactly. Yes. So literally the only thing we have, if you follow the exact strategy from the last episode, the only thing you have is one landing page and that landing page doesn't even have a picture on it, right? It's like <laughs> one landing page with text and that's it. And maybe you have an Excel spreadsheet with some emails of people you've talked to and that's it. That's, that's currently the state of the business. So yeah, we've got a way to go. <laughs> we've got a way to go. So we want to build an information product, right? We want to, out of these products that I'm going to end up selling, I want to start creating the first of those information products. Now I want to start creating my first product, obviously. I've got to start building one of these many products that I want to end up selling. And this is one of the reasons, so one of the reasons we're, we're getting these customers first to get these coaching sessions is on the one hand so that we can get paid while we build our, our information product empire, but also because it gives us enormously valuable insights. So during the coaching sessions, the coaching sessions I'm doing here are part of my product development strategy. So during these coaching sessions, I really want to dig deep with my coaches and figure out exactly what they struggle with. I want to figure out which of my interventions work. So when I tell someone, okay, try this strategy to become more productive, which ones work and which ones don't work. And if they don't work, where do people get stuck and why do they get stuck? So in fact, I would be highly, highly interested as a coach in learning when someone stops doing something that works for them, right? So maybe I give someone a tip and I say, okay, try to apply uh, single tasking, right? Make sure that you're only working on one thing at a time. And they tell me, well, this is great. I've been so much more productive. And then two weeks later, they say, I don't know why, but somehow I'm back to having 15 tabs open and checking my phone and, you know, listening to the radio and, or listening to a podcast and doing my work all at the same time and I'm not getting anything done anymore. So that's really interesting. Why does that happen? Because the more I know about this stuff, the better my product will be in the end. And not only the more you know about what works for one person, right? But the more you know about what works for everybody, what's more like the universal thing that will work. Because if you like, if we're trying to get away from this one-on-one -on -one and this very personal coaching for one specific person, we have to figure out what's actually the key for everybody to make it work. Yes, exactly. That's, that's because that's the kind of information that you end up putting in a book or in a course. And even if it's less universal, it's, it makes your information better. If you can say, if you're this kind of person, try this. And if you're that kind of person, try that. So one way to put this is that in these coaching sessions, I would want to apply extreme empathy. I want to really know what it's like to be my coachee. I want to know exactly what it's like to be someone who has this problem and what it's like to solve this problem. I, I want to get a really, really deep understanding of what's going on. As this is happening, as these coaching sessions are going on, I start putting together my first actual information product. So I'm basically here, then I'm making what Hannah just said, right? I'm basically putting together all the strategies that I'm seeing working with the coaches, the strategies that work for the most people, those I put in a book and I say, okay, here's the recipe basically. And I, I want to extract from the process I go through with my coaches, a self-coaching process, basically where I say, okay, follow these steps to become more productive. About this first information product, do you think this should be like the ultimate course about productivity or would you rather make 
a quick ebook or a smaller mini course to get something out there? I would go small in two ways. So first of all, the target audience, I want that to be smaller. So I wouldn't start with how to be more productive. I would start with, and, and in fact, you know, to go back to the this productivity product that I actually made a few years ago, it was for entrepreneurs, right? It was for self-employed people. So with that, I'm I'm automatically narrowing my my target, and I can make my product more specific. So I wouldn't do a general productivity for everyone product first. I would make a narrower one, and also I would make a smaller and lower priced product first. And the reason for this is that. If you've never made an information product before, then you need to make sure that you don't put too much pressure on yourself. Because if you start trying to build the ultimate how to become more productive online learning system for everyone, and you're going to sell it for $2,000, then you're going to be sweating bullets trying to make this thing happen, right? Because you're putting so much pressure on yourself to make this amazing system that's worth so much money to your to your future customers that you'll most likely work on this for years and possibly never ship it. So I think it's much better to have a more specific focus and start with something like an ebook, sell an ebook and sell it cheaply. If you if you feel um, which is a very typical feeling, by the way, as a as a creative worker, right, you do creative work, you write a book and you feel like this isn't good enough. Nobody will ever pay for this. Nobody, you know, I can't charge money for this. This sucks, right? We, we kind of always hate our own creations. It's a very typical kind of feeling. And what you have to learn is that you can't put more content into your product to make that feeling go away. You can end up staring at a huge product that you've spent years of your life building and you'll still feel exactly the same way and you still not sell it or charge for it. So what you need to do is you need to make it easy for yourself to get over that hump, you know, make your ebook, sell it for $10 or whatever. And then you get to learn that people do buy it and people do like it and they go, thank you. Thank you. This was amazing. Do you have more stuff? I want more stuff from you. And that makes it then much easier to build a bigger, a more ambitious and more expensive products later. So the way you're saying to beat that imposter syndrome, because that's like what happens, right? Yeah. Like I'm not like I'm not good enough. I don't have enough experience to build this product is by starting small, making sure to get something out there and actually noticing that people will pay you money and that you can start also developing the skill of creating products, right? Exactly. Yeah. So just creating products itself, of course, is also a skill. And I have to say, so I've created a lot of information products. And, you know, my first one wasn't great, I have to say, you know, it really wasn't that great. <laughs> I gave it away for free. And I think that was the right price. So, my, you know, my first uh, information product was <laughs> yeah, a free ebook, basically, that I used as an opt-in offer. And it, I mean, look, it wasn't terrible. But if I had sold that for $50, then I think rightfully, some people would have said, well, I'm not sure if that was worth it, right? But with practice, so, you know, my first paid product, I didn't sell it very expensively. But at that point, I'd already made a couple of freebies. So some opt-in offers and that product, you know, looked and felt good. It was high quality. And by the time I was building larger courses and charging more for them, I was really good at it. So that's another reason why I think, you know, you shouldn't start with a huge and expensive uh, information product because, you know, give yourself the opportunity to put out some products and see, learn the ropes, right? Learn the ropes. And then um, by the time you've done this a couple of times, it will be much, much easier to do something big and expensive and make it actually work. 
Okay, so we are creating this first information product, the first, maybe not the biggest one, maybe not the most expensive one, but we are working on getting something out there with the coaching that we are doing with our coaches, right? Yeah, and an important thing, another important thing about all this is timelines, because you don't want to be planning to launch your product in two years time, right? Get this out there, get it done. That's super, super important. That's another reason why it's much better. You know, ebook, you can get an ebook done in one or two months, get that thing launched, right? Get it out. So that's, that's really important. We want to keep things going rapidly and don't get stuck in this kind of perfectionist cycle. And at the same time, again, we're, we're working with these coaches, so we're getting paid to do this and we're getting all this valuable feedback from them. Now, at the same time, as I'm starting to build this first product, I want to start creating a content marketing plan. So I want to start thinking about what kind of stuff can I publish on my website as blog posts, essentially, right? What kind of stuff are these types of people interested in reading about? What kind of value can I deliver for free on my blog? And one of the things we got to do here is we got to determine where we set the free line, right? Where's the line between stuff that is free content on the blog and stuff that I charge for in my paid book and course and so on. Now I have a separate a post and video about this that I'll link to from the show notes. So if you want to get more in-depth information about this, you can go there. But the way I see it usually is that the free stuff is kind of very concentrated and very specific. You know, one blog post is like one useful piece of advice, one useful strategy, one tip. Whereas the paid product is the entire strategy that you apply to yourself and to your life. Right. So something like a blog post is, you know, a couple of tools that you can use, maybe browser extensions and software stuff that help you become more productive. And you introduce, hey, here's a to do list. Here's this browser extension that stops you from spending all your day on, on Facebook and stuff like that. That's like a useful collection of tips. But the paid content would be very specifically step by step which tools to use, how to set them up, why to use them, and how this fits in with everything else that you recommend, right? So that that's like this complete system and you're not gonna put a complete system in a blog post, right? So for me, that's where I set the line is like useful, smaller tips and strategies, individual strategies that's free and the whole system that's paid. If we go back to what we talked about in the first episode, where we said, please don't start with putting out content, with blogging, with uh, posting on social media, with all that kind of stuff. Now, here we say that you can start creating content because we have those first customers and because we are working on that product and because we know what kind of content to create that will attract the people that will be interested in the product that we're selling, right? So here we are working on our content marketing rather than just throwing spaghetti to the wall and hoping that something will stick. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you know, Something we haven't really mentioned yet, but using this approach is a wonderful hack for something that's quite difficult in most businesses. And that is coming up with a good, clear customer avatar. Because that's one of the problems with starting with blogging. Like you say, you kind of just throw stuff at the wall and hope something sticks because you don't really know, like, who exactly am I writing for? Is this something they're interested in? Is it not? Will this work? Will I get traffic? Will I get shares? I have no idea. 
And that's because you don't have a clear customer avatar. And so you could go to, I don't know, some weekend retreat to try and figure out, you know, and have someone teach you how to build a customer avatar or actually just write for your coaches because you're directly interacting with all these real people who are exactly the kind of people that you want to, uh, that are in your target audience, right? So this whole approach is actually a wonderful hack to shortcut the whole customer avatar thing. Your blog posts will be great because you're writing them for real people and they're the right kind of people. It gives you this, this really streamlined targeting of your content and the stuff you put on your blog. Um, yeah, you've basically shortcutted your way past having to create a customer avatar. Another thing we are going to do at this stage is create an opt-in offer. The opt-in offer is a free thing that lies somewhere between the free stuff that you give away on your blog and your paid product. So it's some kind of a guide that is slightly more extensive than a blog post. Now, this is another thing where I think rapid pace is much more important than, than anything else in creating your opt-in offer. Here's the trap that you're bound to fall into and that you have to avoid is to go, oh my God, I have to make whatever, a free ebook as my opt-in offer. This has to be amazing. And you end up writing your book and it takes you months and that's your opt-in offer and you're still not selling anything. So scale that down. Basically think of an opt-in offer as a really good blog post. A really good blog post is a good opt-in offer. And you just don't give it a, you know, you just don't put it on your blog. You put it behind the opt-in gate. And another thing that I think is important, especially for opt-in offers, is think about value density. You don't want to have a value quantity. You don't want to have a bathtub full of value. Here, take my bathtub of value. It's free. Like if I'm standing down on the street shouting that, everybody will just think I'm crazy, right? And that's because people who sign up for something for free, they're, they're not quite sure yet if they trust you, right? They're still trying to figure out, is this, should I spend time here? Is this good or not? And so offering like all this stuff is not useful. So you mean that your 120 pages ebook might just go unread? Exactly. It's just exactly what's going to happen, right? People are going to go, yeah, I guess that sounds good. They download it. They're like, oh, 120 pages. I'm going to read that later. Translation, never. So what you want to do is dense, dense value, right? You want to really condense that and give something super valuable in a tiny package and much more people will sign up for that than for a bathtub full of vague value. I think a very good example of this, just to make sure to show the difference between an ebook and uh, like, like we said, 120 pages ebook and something that has no value is like typically the, the list with resources is something that a lot of people are looking for and uh, will opt in for, right? Yeah. So for example, the, the tools and software we use to record our podcast, and it's basically one page with, here's the microphone I use, here's where you can buy it, here's the software we use to record, here's where you can buy it, and so on, right? Pretty simple. Now, the stage we want to get to here is we want to have a product ready to launch, we want to have a website that has a few blog posts, maybe five to 10 blog posts, depends on how prolific you are at creating blog posts. And we want to have an opt-in offer. Once that's ready, then 
we are going to launch our product and we're going to start selling our product. So it's important that we're not, again, we're not going, okay, and now I'm going to blog and I'm going to blog and blog and blog and blog and I'm going to hope for organic traffic, right? Maybe I get some SEO traffic. Maybe Google is, is you know, kind to me this month and sends me some traffic. Or, you know, maybe hopefully I get some social shares and stuff and kind of trying to build that traffic. And then eventually I go, oh, I have a book. Someone want to buy a book? No. The reason we want to have a blog post and an opt-in offer is because... We want this as a place to nurture leads. So when we start selling something, most people will not buy it. As you know, right on a sales page, even if your sales page is doing really well, and even if your product isn't very expensive, 90% plus of all the people who come to that sales page are not going to buy your product. And you want them to have something other than just leaving and never coming back to do. And that's where lead nurturing comes in. So from your website, when people find your sales page and they, they choose not to buy, you could, for example, show an exit intent offer, an opt-in offer, and get them on your mailing list or get some of them on your mailing list. And when people are on your mailing list, you then already have some content to send them to. So you can have, a, can have an automatic follow-up that basically sends them to your blog posts. So you give people value in your emails, right? You're not selling them right away in emails. You send an email saying, hey, here's a, you know, I wrote this post because I saw people struggle with this and here are some strategies to, to cope with it. Send them to a post, they read your post and they just get value. And this is nurturing, right? This is lead nurturing essentially. So this over time builds trust. They see, okay, you provide good value. I always learn something when I come back to the site and they want to come back to your site and they may turn into customers later on. So that's why I recommend launching with more than just, you know, that one landing page we created before and, and one sales page and that's it and nothing else to do on your site. Having a bit of content there, having an opt-in offer there gives you a chance to do something with those 90% plus people who will not buy. So we're talking about developing a product. This will take a little time. Like even if it's a, um, just an ebook and not an eight module video course, it will still take a few weeks to develop probably. So while you are like hustling to get people to still sign up for your 30 minutes free calls or whatever, you can also have people that come to your website and sign up for your free offer even before having something on sale, right? Yes. So the thing is that the moment that you then launch, you will have an email list and you will have people that could be interested in your offer. So it's really the two sides. Once you have your product on sale, you can capture those 90% of people who won't buy. But even before, while you're working on your product, you can start building that list that you can then contact to send the offer to. Yeah, exactly. And again, here, you know, the goal isn't to have like a list of thousands of people before you launch your product. Um, I think I had something between 100 and 200 people on my list when I launched my first product. So, or actually when I, when I launched my first paid product, it might've been slightly more, but it was definitely under a thousand, right? It was well under a thousand people on my list. So again, it's don't, you know, don't let this get in your way. This, this should be something you do like next to building your product. You're doing a bit of this and you get these pieces ready, but you're not spending like months and months building out a site and trying to, yeah, like I said, you know, create content around keywords and stuff, building up SEO traffic. You're not doing any of that, right? You're just getting a few pieces in place before 
you um, launch your product. Now, when you actually launch your product, here's a couple of things. First of all, do a limited time offer. So you can either you know, launch your product and take it off the market after a while and then reintroduce a new version later. Or you can just do like, you know, half off the price for the first 10 days or so, and then the price goes up. But there needs to be a time limit. And one of the reasons there need to be, needs to be a time limit is because it makes it easier to find um, partners who can promote your product. So what you can do is, and this, or this is at least what I did, this is how I got the ball rolling for for active growth, which was called differently at the time. But but for my business, essentially, for my information business, this is how I got the ball rolling is I, I found a couple of people who were willing to be affiliates for my very first product launch. And so I, I reached out to a whole bunch of people and some of them said yes. And it's much easier to get someone to agree to do a promotion for you when there's a clear time limit you know it's a special offer it's not the kind of thing where it's like oh i could promote this anytime so i'll think about it right it's no okay you know at whatever the beginning of june for 10 days there's a special offer and that's when you can promote and that's it right and all you need is a couple of of good places so you know whether it's someone who will send an email for you or whether it's maybe you get some guest posts on on good websites during your launch period that you can link back to your to your sales page. A couple of good yeses are all you need to get the ball rolling for your first product. So um, and there, what you can do is you can set up an affiliate program for your product. And so obviously you can you can sell your product product through something like ClickBank. You can sell it through something like Zaxa. And in the show notes, we will link to some uh, resources you can use, some services you can use so that you have an affiliate program built in. So that would be the goal. You get the pieces in place, you do a limited time offer, and you get a couple of people on board helping you promote this. That's how you get the first real push of traffic is when you sell your first product. Now, I want to share the story of how I sold one of my first higher priced courses. And it's also so I I didn't use partners or affiliates. So it's also a story to show you that, of course, it, it might have been better and could have get gotten better results. But don't let that stop you. Right. So for here. What I did was, first of all, the price of the course was uh, 497 and I did a webinar. So I had a list of probably yeah less than 300 people for sure. And those were people that I got through the live event that I talked about uh, before, people that did free coaching with me and uh, through the opt-in offer on my website because I was creating one piece of content every week. And uh, I organized a webinar. I sent it out only to my list and maybe in some Facebook groups or something. But like I said, I didn't have affiliates. I didn't have partners. I had exactly 60 people who came live on the webinar. So again, not a really impressive number or whatever, but still 60 people who were really interested in the topic. 
And at the end of the webinar, I um, made the offer for 297. So instead of 497, if the people signed up immediately after the webinar, actually <laughs> to make like, I like pressure when I'm creating uh, online products. So this was a, a course that was dripped over time. So it wasn't delivered all in at the beginning of the, the sign up, but it was over six weeks. And I actually only created the first week of content at that point. So at the moment that I sold uh, the course on the webinar or that I asked people to give me money, I only had the, the first week in place. And the other five weeks, well, I was planning on creating them on the go. <laughs> yeah, so. nothing, like a, nothing like a site <laughs> full of people going, oh, there's the new content this week, right? To, to get you productive. <laughs> Exactly. There's a funny, very funny story about me losing my voice and it becoming like very, very short to, to get the content out. So I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily tell everybody to do that. But if you know that you're kind of procrastinating on this, this actually is like a really good way uh, to, to get it out there and um, to have zero excuses, right? But to go back, so 60 people on the webinar, 15 people bought the course at 297. So this meant that I earned 4,500, uh, it wasn't euros, so 4,500 euros to create that course. That's pretty good, yeah. Which is pretty amazing. Like, is this like a crazy super launch number? No. But is this the kind of uh, revenue that makes you feel as if you can actually do this and as if it's it's like worth your time? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's, it's not just pocket change for sure, right? Yeah, exactly. Like at this point, we have our like the coaching offers going on. So that brings in money. And then if you have like this, this boost for your online course then yeah it really feels like this is possible right you, you can build this this <laughs> this empire and one other thing just to to finish and to tie it back in with the coaching and with the the feedback loop and with making your products better while coaching and while going through it is that um i was doing a webinar a week over those six weeks. So this was again an opportunity to really talk with the people who are going for the first time through the course. And it gave me the opportunity to make this course even better the second time around. Yeah, that's that's really good stuff. And I think another another thing here is also that, you know, you launched the course like this and at the end of it, at the end of six weeks, you've got a course that you can sell, right? Exactly. So those four and a half thousand euros that you made on launch. It's not necessarily the only money you'll ever make from this. And yeah, I think this is a great way to build a course. And I actually also like, you know, these numbers are are kind of, I mean, they're in the same ballpark as some of the numbers that I got in my early launches. I also didn't, you know, I didn't like launch my first product and just like made a million dollars or something like that, which is what you usually read about, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, you know, this whatever teenage entrepreneur hacks the system, becomes billionaire, whatever. And okay, that's nice if that happens. But I think it's very important to see that you can really take this stepwise, right? You can really start by making a few hundred dollars and then making a few thousand and keep stepping that up and growing that organically. And in fact, you're much more likely to succeed like that than if you, you know, if you go for the Hail Mary where you either get bought out by Facebook for a billion dollars or you just, you know, you're 50 million in debt because it didn't work out. Right? 
Yeah, and it's also like, I think it shows that you don't need thousands of people on an email list. You don't need to do a webinar uh, promoted with thousands of dollars of Facebook ads, hoping to have thousands of people online. It's really uh, about those, those few people, those fans who know you, who trust you, who like you enough uh, to, to give you money, right? Yeah. And a few hundred is what it takes to get this ball rolling. Yeah. And speaking of getting the ball rolling, so in this model, what I what I want to do is that you do your launch, you this creates initial momentum. And now what you want to do is you keep doing your content marketing. So you keep putting out content and you have your whole mailing list. You have a growing mailing list of people who are many of them are now fans, right? Because the people who are your customers, if you sell something, so someone buys something from you and that thing is good, that will turn someone into a fan much faster than if someone's just consuming your free content. So you now have a growing list of fans. Whenever you create a new blog post, you send all of your mailing lists to that post, which creates momentum for that post. So you get some comments, you get shares and that also then that creates momentum for that post, right? Once people start sharing it around, it's more likely that other people will find it and also share it and so on. And this is how you start building an audience. You start building an audience from this small core of, of people you've worked with directly one-on-one -on -one, of people that have bought your first course or your first book or whatever it is. And you start now kind of using that, you know, generating or keeping that momentum and start growing an audience from outside sources. At this stage, now that you've already made money from your coaching clients and you've already made money from selling your first product, now comes the marketing stuff that you usually read about everywhere. So yes, content marketing, right? Put together a content marketing strategy. Yes, SEO even. Find keywords, try to get stuff ranked for those keywords, for relevant keywords in your market. Even maybe perhaps social media marketing. I'm not sure if that goes too far, even. but maybe even social media stuff. And also, you know, creating more offers, creating more different products for different people, creating landing pages, optimizing your landing pages, optimizing your sales pages, optimizing your funnels, building and scaling ad campaigns, all of this stuff, all of this stuff, all of this marketing stuff, right? This starts making a lot of sense now because now you already have a business to apply this marketing stuff to, right? You have a product to sell. You have, you know, something like ads. Well, you have a budget to spend on ads and you have a chance of getting a positive return because you have a proven product that is super, super focused and super streamlined based on exactly the kinds of problems that real people in this market have and the proven solutions that you've built for them. So now comes the traffic stuff. And this really is the whole point of this forget traffic series that we've done. It's not that traffic generation never becomes important, but what I just see is that traffic generation is something that on all these traffic generation strategies are something that you read a lot about on marketing sites, everybody talks about, but what I see is that it's often applied much, much too soon. And like we said, you know, getting traffic, trying to get traffic first and then trying to turn that traffic into money sometime later is hugely, hugely wasteful. And most people fail at that. Whereas a customer first approach is something you can you can make work. And it's basically like a hack. It's a shortcut to revenue and it's a shortcut to making all this other traffic stuff work 
slightly later in the process. Slightly later is a very good term, I think. Because everything that we described here, from getting your first coaching clients to making that product, it shouldn't take two years, right? Yeah. Like It is very much something that you can do in a short period of time that will actually make that much of a difference between wasting your time on getting that initial audience that will maybe never buy from you or having a business and creating and building up that audience. You know, if you if you follow the Thrive Themes blog and if you follow the Active Growth blog and if you've just if you've been with us for a while basically, you've heard us talk about this before in various contexts, right? And we we often call this rapid implementation and we are a little bit obsessed with rapid implementation, I have to admit. <laughs> but I think it's because we see this so often, right? We we work with in some form or another through Thrive Themes and Active Growth. We get exposure to and we work with many different online entrepreneurs and website owners. And this is just something we see so, so often is that people spend so much time spinning their wheels and doing work that gets nothing done, that doesn't actually get them closer to having the business they want. And I think that's that's one of the reasons for me, at least, why I'm so obsessed with this idea of rapid implementation. I want you to follow this strategy and I want you to be in a hurry. Okay, I want you to be in a hurry like a lion's running after you, right? I want you to feel like you gotta get this done as fast as possible because I've seen how toxic it is to, you know, to make excuses and put things off for later and wait for a better moment and try to make things more perfect. It really is like a dream crusher, right? People start out with a good idea and they start out with this dream of building a business and they end up wasting so much of their time. This goes through everything we do. I want you to be in a massive, massive hurry when you do this. And you might have noticed that we haven't talked about your logo or the colors of your website <laughs> or even the name of your business, right? Like those things just don't matter if you're not putting something out there. Yeah. And also your, your first logo is going to suck anyway. Who cares? Like, just <laughs> no, honestly, who's... And your first domain name yeah. is going to suck it's, anyway. Exactly. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be cringeworthy. <laughs> you're going to regret it. And you're going to like shamefully update it to a new domain name. I've done this twice on active growth, right? So, so I mean, it's like, yeah, and that's, but that's a good example because a lot of people will like agonize over their logo design or over their business card. You know, you don't need a bloody business card, okay? Build your <laughs> business first, and then print a business card. My domain name is in a language that people cannot, <laughs> <laughs> that cannot talk and has a dash in it. Yes. So I think like I made about all the mistakes possible and imaginable for the domain name, but like people still bought the online course. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you can totally buy a decent domain name later. <laughs> <laughs> so this wraps up our content about why you should forget traffic and what to do instead. And what we really want to do next is we want to hear from you. So I'm really curious to hear your own stories and hear you challenging yourself to get this done. I'm really looking forward to hearing your input on this. Thank you very much for spending time with us on this podcast. And I really hope you'll tune in for the next episode. All right, this episode turned out to be a bit more extensive and a bit more epic than I expected, but I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you will put what you learn here to good use. 
And we'd love to hear from you about what you think and how your own progress is going. So the main thing I would like you to do is to go to activegrowth.com forward slash three and join the discussion. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of the podcast so far. And also let us know what you think of the content and how it's working for you. If you have any questions about it, if you have anything else related to this topic that we could help you with. Now, the reason this is the main thing I'm asking you to do is because we would like to continue this series and we would like to continue this podcast in such a way that it's really tailored to your needs. So if you can tell us what questions you have, what problems you're facing, what you yourself are trying and where you're succeeding and failing, we can design more episodes and more podcast content around your specific needs. So go to activegrowth.com forward slash three to join the discussion and let us know how we can better serve you. We are also in the middle of a podcast launch experiment and there's some more information on that post as well on how you can help us with this experiment. We're trying to get into new and noteworthy on iTunes, even though, you know, we're, we're a bit of an underdog here. We don't have the kind of audience or the kind of reach that would make that kind of thing easy to do, especially not in a busy category like the one we're in. So we're doing a bit of an experiment to see if we can, if we can hack the system and get in anyway. So to see what that's about and to see how you can help us also, everything you need, all the notes, discussions, and so on, everything is at activegrowth.com forward slash three. Finally, I should mention about that photo shoot that we talked about, uh, it didn't happen. So I still don't have any professional photos of myself at all. Um, and I only have two semi-professional ones. I only have two presentable ones. I only have two pictures of myself that are presentable in a business context that I quickly shot with my camera on a tripod ages ago. We have one of our designers at Thrive Themes is also a photographer. And because I was there uh, at the office, I thought, you know, maybe there'd be an opportunity to take a few better looking pictures, more professional pictures. That's the level of convenience I need. That's why I'm mentioning this, right? That's the level of convenience I need. I would never actually, wouldn't even occur to me to actually go and hire, you know, go and find a professional photographer and hire, you know, schedule an appointment with them, all this kind of stuff. No, no. But the level of, of convenience of, oh, this guy who works for me is also a photographer. Maybe we can do something. We're in the, in the same place right now. That's the level of convenience I need before I consider making professional pictures but as it turned out we were both busy with other stuff and it's just not that important i wanted to follow up on that just because first of all you might be looking at the website and going these pictures are rubbish well yes that's because we didn't make better ones uh, but also because you know even at this point it's just not necessary it's just never been necessary in my entire career uh, to have professional pictures done so that is also you know my level of commitment to keeping things simple. That's how far that goes. So that is all for the footnotes for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this and I hope I'll hear you again on the next episode.